Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host, here with Landon Long on our audio feed. Landon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Landon is the CEO of Infusion Factory in Sacramento, which is a rarity in the field. Um, They are a level 7 N kitchen, I believe. Landon, is that right? Yep, and a shared facility. Yeah, I mean, it's a you're an unusual cat, an unusual animal out there in the cannabis world, and you've pretty much seen it all. Um, we'll get into a little more of that as we get further down the road here, but we're going to start out with a standard question on my show, Landon. What's your historical relationship to cannabis? How did you come to cannabis? How did I come to cannabis? Well, cannabis came to me one night. Uh, I've been in the industry one way or another since we got Prop 215. Uh, you know, I was grew up in the East Bay. Yeah. Uh, you know, got Prop 215 and, uh, you know, 95, got my script right out of high school. And, uh, you know, I was under the first 3,000 uh, card members. So uh, as soon as I got out of high school, just happened to know a master cultivator who got me right into it, uh, taught me his program. And, you know, I was off to the races uh, right out of high school cultivating. Right on. It, it's one way, or, one way or another ever since. It's a funny thing because we get a lot of people on the on the show who have a very similar take on it, and they came up the same way. Um, a lot of mentoring. I've noticed that too. A lot of the older guys passing down the knowledge base to the younger guys who are coming up, which is super cool. I mean, that's just how all good trades are started and, and continued, right? Yep, that's right. And I'm sure you, you were um, getting well ingrained into the practical aspects and the money aspects of that early on and learning about how to manage your money and how not to be very uh, free and easy with that money. Let's just say that. That's right. You know, you have to uh, learn to be entrepreneurial, but also a little frugal when it comes to, uh, (laughs) you know, surviving in an industry that doesn't really forgive for mistakes. No, I know. It's just, um, it's really funny how, there's so many people in this business and, and I've noticed them falling away that there is no get rich quick scheme. There's no get rich quicks thing in anything, you know, and it, it's just kind of weird, you know? Yeah, that's so true. So true. This is not a get rich quick scheme. And if it is, uh, maybe I haven't quite figured it out. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both brother, by the way, if you clue into that, get, let me know. Okay. Be... Yeah, someone send me an email on that one. <laughs> yeah. So um, why don't you tell the people at home what um, specialties are for um, the infusion factory and what, what really are the big things for you right now and maybe in the future? Yeah, you know, Infusion Factory is just a you know, brand agnostic contract manufacturer for other tier one operators in the space. Uh, we're kind of one of those big companies that's in the background that really only other CEOs of other tier one and more established companies have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we provide our services, you know, in several areas, which include a lot of kitchen services, you know, gummies, chocolates, uh, you know, baked and confectioned items uh, is one area. Uh, another area being mix and blend, you know, lab work, uh, commercial ingredients, topicals, tinctures, always done a ton of that. A uh, ton of tablets these days, uh, compressed items. 
then um, our commodity side, you know, portioning a ton of pre-rolling, a lot of uh, cartridge chemistry and cartridges. Yeah. And then uh, really uh, beyond that, it's just packaging for those three areas. Uh, at our core, we're a packaging company that takes raw ingredients and makes them all retail ready. So that's, uh, you know, really the nexus of what we do. Plus, we're a shared facility, so people can co-locate licenses in our facility. I didn't know that. That's great. So, um, full disclosure, uh, Landon and I met each other when Landon brought Shuggies out of the gate for us in our individual stick packs, and he's currently the manufacturer of our home baker bag, which is a delicious eight ounces of sugar with 100 milligrams of THC and available in a dispensary near you. Little plug there. Um, but Landon does an amazing job. His, um, his staff and the processes are um, very analytical. Uh, very thorough, and um, I think it gives uh, an air of credibility not only to the products you're making, but the industry as a whole because your standards are very high. Um, <clears throat> I have to say this. Uh, when I go to Landon's office and I'm in the reception room, I have never seen so many permits in my life. I, it, uh, honestly, I've been to construction sites, uh, international construction sites around the world, it's it's twice that and it's just because you're in sacramento isn't it you're just so close to the mothership yeah i believe so you know we we seem to be the uh training ground for every crazy governmental agency you've you've never heard of yeah at this point i think we have uh 18 or 19 governmental agencies that either reviewed approved licensed, or permitted us yeah it's 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 shocking to me when i look at that wall of infamy in your office it's shocking to me too let me tell you um so moving on to just uh, the industry as a whole, what do you think new and different that you've seen without giving up secrets? Um, there, is there trends that you're seeing that are that people should recognize? You know, there's there's uh, the move in the industry is pretty quick, as we all know. I mean, trends come and go pretty quick, and either you're in front of them, on them, or behind them. I mean, really, there's no middle ground. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people come to us uh, after the trend is already hit or kind of in progress and kind of want to catch the wave when it's just a little bit too fast and a little bit too far behind them. They just can't catch that wave. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, really tried and true edible uh, products happening nowadays. You know, since COVID, mm-hmm. it really seems that it's gone from, you know, every varietal of crazy edible product you've ever heard of. And really is acquiesced into, you know, commodity-based items, flour, pre-rolls, cartridges, uh, concentrates. And on the edible side, just the tried and trues. You know, the crazy stuff is kind of in the rearview mirror. It's commercial ingredients like sugar. It's gummies. It's, you know, chocolates and uh, a few other tried and true uh, product classes. And then, of course, topicals and tinctures and things like that. Um, and in the crazy days are gone. In COVID, during COVID times, though, um especially since kind of unemployment has run up for a lot of people. Um, I know that gummies, the cheaper gummies and the cheaper pre-rolls, they're really killing it right now. Hopefully that will, you know, change for the rest of us in manufacturing that require a more robust economy to survive. But um, it, it seems to be that's the trend. Um, do you, what's your thoughts on the industry as a whole? and the direction we're going. Do you have any kind of deep-seated thoughts, or is that a two-hour conversation? Yeah, that question can go a ton of different directions. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, just as the Cliff Notes version is, you know, I think that in the early days of, uh, you know, our new legalization, I think there were a lot of tire kickers coming in. You know, they thought the cannabis industry was a 
lottery ticket or some get rich quick scheme. And what they found out is it's real work. Um, Every- people are surviving in the industry today. They're putting in real work. Um, they have no illusions that, you know, a, a $1 product at cost cannot be a $30 retail product. Um, right. you know, really margins are being compressed. People have, um, less money to spend. And when they do it, it's on tried and true product classes. Right. So I think that with COVID, um, it, it's just become a lot more real. Uh, there's a lot more real players. A lot of the you know, crazy investors have kind of fallen out of the industry or got burned out one way or another. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot more serious players that, uh, have much clear expectations and, views of the world when it comes to uh, the California market. Right. It, it seems to me on my side too. I mean, I always, that's kind of the public perception too, is how easy it is and blah, blah, blah. But here it is. We, it is seven something at night. You are still at your office. I'm at my office. Um, I've been up since five doing my thing. I'm sure you're about the same thing. It, exactly. it never yeah. ends. So yeah. I'm, Every day. And I'm on a plane uh, to Burbank tomorrow morning at 630 in the morning to attend uh, PAD with one of our better people um, in dispensary in L.A. And then I'm going to a veterans thing (laughs) at five. You know, it just never stops. Yeah. You know, at one point I spent, you know, 40 weeks on the road traveling around, consulting around the nation. Um, You know, nowadays it's just pushing hard up at, you know, 430 to 530 in the morning. You know, getting at it, trying to, you know, be a family man on top of uh, trying to run a, you know, company that has a lot of things going on and a lot of projects running in parallel. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it's seven o'clock right now uh, Pacific and maybe I'll get home by nine o'clock, maybe. Yep. I know the feeling. Well, you're an East Bay guy, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to drift into one of our great uh, sponsors here. It's Skylab Oakland. And Skylab um, is a new co-working space in, directed at the cannabis market. It serves not only yoga practitioners, but also cannabis people and people looking for a space to work. I recently went to a grand opening party there, which was socially distanced for you naysayers out there. And it's a beautiful space, well run, and uh, Lillian, who runs it, is an amazing woman. If you need a co-working space, you're in the cannabis field and you're, you're not a big operator, look at skylabspaces.com. Um, they've got a great deck overlooking downtown Oakland and an elevator straight to the floor. It's a really nice space, so look for Skylab Oakland. Um, Landon, uh, for the future, where do you think edibles are going? I mean, in terms of just every flavor profile and every item, where do you think it is? I mean, yeah, that's, it's hard to say, you know, we, we do tons of flavor profiling for people. Uh, we do flavor panels anywhere from four to 20 flavors uh, at Mm -hmm. a time. Uh, people want to see a lot of diversity. Um, you know, there's really two camps. Either people want to see some, you know, crazy, never done before type flavor, where it's like, you know, five flavor profiles rolled up in one, or they want the tried and true, you know, the oranges, the graves, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, that, that's one of the things we're seeing from a flavor profile perspective. And then, you know, on the edible side, people, uh, end users want better quality products at a lower price. That's just the way, you know, the way of the world. Nature and, of the beast, yeah. Uh, nature of the beast and you know we've survived by being a service provider in this industry by producing at quality at volume and 
I mean, nowadays when I say we do a ton of, ton of gummies, I mean, that's no, no bullshit. We literally do a tonnage of gummies every single month. Uh, we have the capacity to roll out pallet after pallet of gummies and we're doing it. So, um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen you do it. Yeah, it's crazy. Literally, we, we do tons of products. And that's not a euphemism. But it's, no. it's by- and how about um, things like more intensive edible products like uh, your cookies or cakes and, and things like that? Are you seeing more or less of those things? Yeah, um, I think some of the more complex chemistry is happening in around beverages, shots, some advanced form factor delivery stuff, solubility products, so on and so forth. Uh, topicals, some of them are simple. Some of them are very crazy. I mean, we've done you know, north of 25 ingredient, you know, temperature controlled assemblies. It took, you know, two or three days to put together on the topical side, very advanced stuff. Um, so, you know, we are seeing some of that uh, really, really advanced chemistry that still has uh, kind of the moniker of being a medicinal or a very functional type cannabis products. But then on the other side, we just have, you know, some products that are just intended to be 10 milligram accurate, you know, products edibles pure right. simple they do the trick they're on price point That's yeah it. and then how about the 10, 10 milligrams per dose do you think that affects what you're doing or do you think um there's no real de- deleterious effect on the market i mean most people are trying to engineer like my product shuggies is five milligrams of thc per packet or 5.25 i believe um in our home baker bag right per dose so uh is do you think this is a hindrance to people, especially with regard to taste profile? You know what I mean? Especially with people who use distillate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really hard. Ingredient selection is a big thing. Flavors always tricky in that, you know, some of the, if you're going for price, you're getting ingredients that maybe aren't oriented to the top shelf of quality or flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So it's really that balance of getting raw ingredients, active ingredients that are at a price but then also be able to match that with the quality profile the customer and user expects. Right. So, you know, we, we are, we are seeing a, a lot of uh, just, it's, it's just challenging for some operators and some customers kind of find that balance. You know, everyone wants, you know, Ferrari quality at fiat prices. And that's just of course, <laughs> not the way of the world. Wish it was. I'd have a couple new Ferraris. Yeah, there you go. So what, um, do you get the impossible? presented to you like you, you got someone comes in with a lot of money and they're just like yeah i just gotta have this tiramisu perfect and i want the perfect loft and i want all this stuff and i want it in this packaging do you get that stuff i mean people saying yeah, we get a we get a lot of that um and, and uh you know i don't want to breach nda you know we're kind of like switzerland over here yeah. we don't like to discuss our customers or the products there's some that i'm not under nda i can discuss you know we get crazy phone calls from people and literally they ask for craziness like hey we want uh you know infused caviar <laughs> like okay well that's cute and everything can't can't use proteins and uh unfortunately i don't think uh, we're gonna be able to preserve the shelf life and infused caviar but good idea appreciate that yeah that actually uh, that actually came up quite literally yes um you know one of the wow parts one of the challenges of being in our position is that we're the enabler of dreams, but unfortunately we're also the purveyors of reality in some instances. You're the crush, Where, you're the crusher of dreams. It's heartbreaking because people come to us with so much passion and so much desire and this, you know, crazy good ideas. And unfortunately, you know, we're like, Hey, that that's wonderful. You know, infused caviar is a wonderful idea. 
uh, unfortunately, this, this regulation, that regulation, and probably the practicality of delivering that to market in a refrigerated form factor right. for the shelf is going to be worthwhile over a year. Um, so unfortunately, just with all of the lines we have to walk as compliant operators, every line of code that we have to uh, adhere to from a regulatory perspective, uh, it's just it's just extraordinarily challenging. And we hate crushing those dreams. And you know, maybe people perceive that dream crushing as being a negative interaction with us. But fortunately, that's just the reality of the, of the green market. Um, yeah. I, I mean... I can only imagine some of the things that you've been it's been presented to you. I mean, it, it's yes. shocking to me that, you know, some people just think anything is possible. And especially people, there's a certain segment of the population out there who feels that they can throw money at anything that's going to solve it. And that's going to be the solution. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would venture to say, you know, we I, I hate to be presumptive, but, you know, we've seen quite a bit of intellectual property from a lot of uh, different brands, companies, you know, purveyors from around the world, um, you know, patented tech from overseas, you know, operators from every state, like probably inside my brain is more intellectual property and secrets than, you know, any you know, handful of people that's in the industry. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's some of it's not novel uh, whatsoever. Some of it's pretty unique. And again, some of it is just really, really crazy cool ideas. Um, some you can throw money at, you can throw project time at, and you can, reach a place where you can get that that idea to market and there are others where it's just no matter what you do you you can't you know cross regulations off a page you can't ignore sections of code um you know when when cdph and others come at us with violations they come with large stacks okay for the for the people at home that's the california department of public health yeah that's correct and you know uh there's there's obviously tons of infighting there and cdph and within itself where you may have one part of it that interprets the regulations one way, and then you have the enforcement arm that most definitely interprets it another. And uh, for us, we tend to lean on the enforcement side because there's the people, they're the people that write violations. So right. fortunately, that's the reality of crazy ideas. Eventually, they have rubber has to hit the road, and you know, some some things just aren't practical or, or possible underneath regulations. So you're an expert in um, one aspect, obviously, with the wall of uh, regulations you have in your office and the wall of permits. Uh, tell, let the people at home know about, uh, I believe the CDPH and the BCC, they're merging um, now. I think that merger is in, in flux right now um, or in play. Um, is that true? What's yes. going on right now? Yeah, uh, you know, we're, it's just termed Reg 3.0, so Regulations 3.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're condensing all the departments into one uh, central cannabis agency, uh, one regulatory body. Um, I think what they realize is, you know, they tried to have a division of labor initially with having kind of cultivation, retail distribution, and manufacturing being three distinct bodies. Uh, but what they realize is that CDPH may interpret regulations one way, and it's their right to enforce underneath their interpretations. BCC may have a completely different perspective, uh, as do other other agencies that support the main regulatory bodies. So, and you're in um, that you're in that unenviable position where you're not only doing edibles, you're also doing pre rolls. So you've got them both up your ass, basically. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, yeah, uh, well versed in the regulations, and you know, we live to the letter of the law. And it, it, it's very challenging in that you know there's some things I can do under CDPH you can't under BCC and right. vice versa. Right, and, right. You know there may be a violation that we see very clearly underneath BCC, and we cannot um, 
create a product or complete an action that we know is in violation of that regulation, but our enforcement agency is CDPH. It's right. not on their books. They're not going to enforce it. They don't, they don't care. So or not, they don't care, but they just don't have the enforcement authority. Right. So I think bringing it underneath one agency, um, again, there's a lot of things in cannabis, including from a regulatory perspective that are good ideas and have the best intention, (laughs) you know, a jump. But when it comes into practicality, that's where the craziness comes in. And, you know, just to extend on that, you know, reg reg 3.0, you know, I, I come from a place where, you know, I, the type N, the type P, the type S licenses weren't on the books until, you know, I conceptualized and threw some of that stuff at CDPH and others and helped foster those regulations through and became the first shared facility. And even, you know, Skylabs, um, you know, some of our work now is benefiting some of our competitors where Skylabs now has the ability to have a co-working space as a type in and a shared facility because of regulations we put out there. Right. All those things nowadays are pretty solid state, plus or minus, and we all have a fair understanding of, of how they're interpreted and how they're enforced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the early days were very, very troublesome because no one knew what was happening and it impacted all of us in a negative way. But in the last year, we've all done pretty, pretty well because we know how things are going to be interpreted. Uh, with Reg 3.0, um, who knows? You right. know, are they going to toss all the regulations back up in the air and, and see where they land? Is it going to go back to craziness? Is it going to, you know, be a full reinterpretation of the regs and how we move? Um, you know, that's the part that's probably more troublesome than actually the departments coming together. It's how they're going to both interpret and regulate um, the regulatory policy overall. And so keep and keep any potential infighting out of the public eye because that would be awful. Yeah, and I, you know, I know about some of that. I just uh, I choose not to comment about there, some of that. There you and go. We have good friends in all agencies, and we like to maintain that. There you go. Well, speaking about regulations, you know who likes regulations, Landon? a lot of people the military military guys and one of our sponsors is brothers mark cannabis they're veteran owned and veteran operated cannabis group that does growing manufacturing and so much more and most of their stuff benefits veterans here in the u.s um, who are suffering ptsd and so many other things Um, if you get a chance go to brothers mark cannabis and that's brothersmark.com and check out what they have to offer. They have um, a lot of good products and you can find them on Facebook if you're a vet and you're looking for some assistance in terms of like what you're going through. They can refer you to different um, bodies that can help um, with any issue. Um, They have vape carts, concentrates, flowers, and so much more. So do look into Brothers Mark Cannabis. They're doing good work for good people. Let's just hope um, under the new incoming administration that the last four years of progress for the veterans has it will be maintained and that's uh, pretty important so here's to you brothers mark and keep keep doing what you're doing um let's talk about a really shitty issue and that's taxes Ugh. yeah yeah let's just talk about it because it sucks because i am of the opinion that this industry was taxed out of the gate into almost oblivion by overzealous um, bureaucrats that didn't let a nascent industry start and assess what it could be. And I think this is in turn bred the black market into a fervor. I mean, if it's, it's not in my imagination to say the black market is bigger than ever. My understanding, that's completely right. I mean, and it's just, I mean, obviously we all pay, 
and uh, you probably pay a lot of taxes. A lot of taxes to the point where it hurts in every imaginable conceivable way. And, you know, it's not just the taxes per se, which is quite painful at every level. Yeah. You know, it's all the accounting and administrative work just to, that you have to layer on top of it just so you can pay your taxes. Right. And then beyond that, all the, you know, compliance fees and all of that. Um, you know, I actually happen to know that beyond the tax numbers we pay, just all of our compliance on, on everything, state, uh, local permit fees, all of that. I mean, it's, it's north of 14% of revenue that's, that's insane that's it's insane it's absolutely insane and to pay you know taxes on gross federally so i can pay taxes on city and by the way i had to pay taxes federally on the taxes i paid to the city and then on top of that I have to pay taxes to the state and um from all that comes permits and licensing fees that oh by the way have already been taxed federally locally yeah. from the state it's, it's insane. Let, let me talk to you about something that you know is back to um revolutionary times and i'm talking about 1700s here um there's i i feel this is my own personal opinion and chime in as you like um this is a situation of taxation without representation where we're being taxed um without being able to defend our positions in many points and we're certainly not able to defend our positions on the federal level but yet they want to tax the businesses on income um in a very bizarre and surreptitious way, this is classic taxation without representation because we are not being able to speak because we're all terrified of being shut down in our endeavors. Yeah, uh, you're, you're going to get no argument here. Uh, I too believe in you know taxation with representation. If you're going to pull taxes, you know it, it should be represented by some you know uh, municipal governmental service. Um, it, it's just it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is terrible. And double taxation is another thing that, you know, is really terrible. I mean, it's just not, it's nonsensical, really, you know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, double taxation would be a treat, actually. Yeah, um, I, exactly. You're getting layered three on, four on now. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, we, we pay fed on, uh, on state and municipal. We pay special municipal fees, gross taxation. On top of that, we have the privilege, of course, of paying payroll taxes that have already been taxed and additional tax on top of payroll. And then once we actually get revenue, and we spend it, we're taxed again. And, you know, our, our employees that obviously we pay taxes to employ, uh, then get taxes taken out of their check. And when they go and spend it, they get taxed again. Um, really, the winner out of cannabis that uh, I know of is uh, municipalities and you know, tax coffers. Well, they're taking their, their fair share. Yeah, I, I did notice after the election the other day and certain things passed in certain communities, some were very reasonable, like a dollar per square foot for um, your grow space. Uh, I mean, I say that, you know, tongue in cheek kind of thing. You know, you've got 100,000 grow in 100,000 square foot grow in Adelanto. You're not going to be wanting to pay that 100 G just because you have footage. But there are some municipalities that are like 10 bucks a, a square foot, which to me is just insanity. Yeah, it is insanity. And, you know, I, I, well, I think some of these things are definitely taxation without representation and they're well off kilter with regards to being reasonable. You know, I, I will just for a second, very small second, you know, take a look at it from the, the regulators perspectives and that, you know, these are, 
you know, small to large municipalities. They're trying to find a way to regulate the industry. You know, each one was set off on their own path to create their own regulations locally. And, you know, in some instances, they did what they thought was, you know, smart. Uh, from a city council perspective, you know, a one, two, four, five percent gross tax sounds like a good idea. It sounds reasonable until you get into $50,000 building department fees and you get into eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 municipal permitting fees and you get into $50,000 state fees and you start tacking on these fees that are non-tax but are most definitely related to municipal operations. Um, that's the part that city council members, that mayors, that political stakeholders don't tend to see. And um, unfortunately, you know, it is kind of a death by a thousand cuts uh, in this industry um, when it comes to all this regulation. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. And I'm, you don't have to comment on this, but I'll comment on this. And it's this, the weird catch 22. So if you're building out a facility and you're a grandfathered facility in terms of your infrastructure, you don't have any argumentative points that you can make with a building inspector saying you need to do this, 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 or this, because what are you going to say? He's just going to shut you down and you don't have any argument. You can't, it's basically blackmail. You've got to play by those rules. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if I could take a second, you know, here we had um, one inspection division, two and a half years, 14 inspections with this one division. And they required us to do something outside in our parking lot. They wanted us to paint, uh, certain markings and egress markings and so on and so forth. And we complied because that's what we were asked to do. Um, you know, I went to have all my parking lot repaved and restriped and you know, this paver came out. It's like, Landon, what, what is that? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, what is that paint? And I'm like, we required to do that. And they're like in 20 years of paving parking lots, my family here in the city of Sacramento, we've never once seen that. Um, <laughs> it's not code requirement. You're and then the kidding me. Oh my no, God. the stripers come out, the guys that are going to paint the parking lot, not pay, but they paint it. And they're like, again, Landon, what the hell is that? He's like, that's the silliest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah, we were required to do it, or they wouldn't sign off on two and a half years worth of inspections. Um, and he's like, Landon, my family's been doing this for 10, 12 years, and we've never once seen that in the city of Sacramento or any surrounding municipalities. So here's an instance where you have regulators that come in, and they say, we're not going to sign this piece of paper until you do this or you do that. And it's not backed by code. It's not backed even by common sense in some instance. And that one requirement could then kick off additional requirements from other departments not attached to that one inspector. Right. Um, that's the craziness. And what position are we to argue that? Uh, we do within good good boundaries, of course. But at the end of the day, either they're going to sign that piece of paper or they're not. Right. And, um, you know, you have to satisfy them. And that's, that's, the, that's the bad part about it. All right. Well, on that sour subject, let's let's move on to something uh, fun. And that's a fan favorite here on the show. It's Stony Story. And it's when I ask you a story, maybe about yourself or someone else. Um, you don't have to name names or if you want to rat fuck your buddy, <laughs> name his name in, the, in public. But um, do you have something you want to share with people at home or do you need a minute to think about it? Yeah, I probably, I mean, I got tons of stories. Uh, I, I tend not to bring my, my friends or colleagues into into some of these stories. I mean, we would be here for another uh, few hours talking about that. But uh, me, I'll keep it short. Uh, one about me, I, I once woke up uh, in another state, in my boxers, in a hotel room, ran outside, had no idea where I was, was in the middle of a snowy street, 
literally had no clue where the hell I was. I got so high and drunk and had no clue. Uh, ended up, uh, uh, I made it to Jacksonville, Wyoming, and was <laughs> in a hotel. Oh my God. Uh, with my skis and my crew. And uh, yeah, we. Uh, I, yeah. I, I kind of figured you were in Reno. You know, it's fairly no, close. No, we <laughs> went a bit further than that. Uh, you know, hey, Jacksonville has some of the best cliffs in the nation. And uh, oh, you know, yeah. We're into- doing crazy stuff so jackson holds like the bomb that. man that is the bomb nothing i'm too proud of but uh yeah that is uh yeah that's to wake up in, a, in your boxers in a weird hotel room in another state run outside and have no clue where the hell you are that's but. hilarious that's a good one that's a new one and most of these yeah. stories have to do with edibles so i like that one yeah, yeah um, that, that was a combination of items, yes. <laughs> so in, in um conclusion is there anything you want to um talk about in terms of plugs and getting people over to infusion factor is there something new you're bringing out or what do you want to tell the people at home nowadays you know we we've really refined what we are as a company and how we service uh, other tier one operators uh you know we we love uh kind of what we've done with and for the industry from the perspective of formalization and you know providing great services so you know i would say you know instead of plugging one thing or another i think we've talked about what we do as infusion factory it's just to talk kind of about the volume and the professionalism that we offer and that you know there's a lot of people that are trying to convert from the black to the gray the gray to the green mm-hmm. and we're definitely one of those companies that are here to help you make that conversion and do it in a very real way well that's good um, you know, edibles, crazy these days. Gummies, literally moving up by the ton. Chocolate, hundreds upon hundreds of pounds. Uh, pre-rolls, by the tens and hundreds of thousands. Cartridges, just the same. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there's probably a couple areas where we're selling on edibles these days. You know, tablets, I can say that we do more uh, compressed items for more brands than anybody in California. And gummies, uh, I don't know of any contract manufacturer that's literally doing it in tonnage. So, um, you know, hey, if you need good gummies, you need good tablets, you need a really complex product or something really easy, and you need the best price, uh, you know, our volume and professionalism speaks for itself, and we're here to offer great services to you. So where do people find you, Landa? Uh, They find us at www.infusionfactory.com. Uh, or you can email us at hello at infusionfactory.com. So our team is uh, available, uh, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. And uh, we're here to help you and talk about some of those crazy ideas like infused caviar and the next big gummy project. Yeah. All right. Das Vidanya. So um, as usual, this show is brought to you by Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take anywhere treat. You can find us at www.shuggies.com. And thanks to Landon Long, our guest here, who's been making our home baker bag. Eight ounces of delicious unrefined sugar with 100 milligrams of THC available at a dispensary near you. And soon we're looking at Stevia with also 100 milligrams of THC. Landon, thanks very much for being on the show. And you're always welcome back if you want to announce uh, something new coming your way. Appreciate that. And thank you. I hope you have a, a good evening. And thanks for the time. You too. Time to get home, buddy. Yeah. yeah All right. I'll see you later. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.